Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, uh, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due. Nah. Welcome to another episode of We're Talking Today. Craig Malonsaw with Danny Reed, voice of the Eagles, the Georgia Southern Eagles from the Georgia Southern Sports Network. Danny, how are we doing this afternoon? Craig, we're doing great. Appreciate the time, and it's always good to talk to you guys. Hey, man, miss you guys. I'm very disappointed I'm not going to be making the trip this weekend. Uh, but right now, uh, dealing with lots of things going on at home, so it's probably a good break for me. So I wish if it would have been a 1 o'clock game, 2 o'clock game, I might have made it. No, not not so. Uh, but... <laughs> uh danny uh just you know let's um let's talk about the Sun Belt last week any surprises there what, what did you see and what did you like or maybe dislike in in that in that realm you cut out on the question okay sorry about that uh i said what last week uh Sunbelt Conference. What did you see? What did you, okay. you think was right? What did you think was wrong? What happened there last week that, that you want to talk about? You know, the one that pops out right away is Coastal in Buffalo. And when I saw that game on the schedule initially, regardless of how Coastal was going to be at the start of the year, I knew that was going to be a tough game. Even with Buffalo having a new coaching staff, they're always a very physical team. And it turned out that Coastal was tested, even though they came out on top and they stayed undefeated. It was business as usual for App State. We saw victories from our Alabama contingent with South getting to 3-0 and in Troy going on the road and getting one against Southern Miss. It was, it was always nice to see ULM get one. I know they've had an extended losing streak, but good for Terry Bowden, good for our buddy Nick White, a great voice of ULM football. And then with Arkansas State, similar to Georgia Southern, getting dominated on the road against a Power 5 opponent, and that's a team that Georgia Southern is going to see next weekend in Statesboro. So those will be two teams that will be looking to find out who they are. But – Watching the Louisiana and Ohio game from last Thursday, you guys got your that's more like it game and Georgia Southern needs that kind of game. You know, they've been outscored the last two weeks, 83 to 16, very un-Georgia Southern like with an inability to run the football consistently, finish drives and they're giving up way, way too many big passing plays. They need a that's more like it game. It might be a lot to ask against the Cajuns, team that's won the last three West Division championships. But if this is a season that's going to end in another postseason appearance, you got to start somewhere. And why not with the beginning of conference play? I understand. I mean, I don't think Arkansas, uh, the University of Arkansas, is a team that uh, anybody expected y'all to win or. I mean, and I don't think anybody expected Arkansas to be as, as good as they are. Now, we'll see as the season goes on if that still holds true. Um, the way that the way that the game, the couple games have gone so far, they dominated Texas last week. And granted, I didn't think Texas was worthy of being the 15th ranked team. Arkansas proved that they were better in just about every phase. And we thought, OK, maybe there'd be a little bit of a letdown because they're going to A&M this weekend. They've got the. CBS national game against the Texas A&M Aggies in Arlington. They're trying to get to 4-0, but they connected on big passing plays. They were strong and physical on defense, and it, it looked at times like Georgia Southern was a scout team against them, and I don't 
say that to put down what the Eagles have tried to do, but I don't remember too many quarterbacks that were that calm in the pocket. Trevor Lawrence for Clemson, when Georgia Southern went up there three years ago, comes to mind. He looked like he could have done whatever he wanted to. They had great weapons on both sides. Now, the Eagles did find some positives. Seth Robertson played very well at corner. Eagles have suffered some injuries, so he had a chance to get in. Randy Wade, outside linebacker, had one of his best games in a couple of years. And the two true freshmen inside linebackers who should play a lot this weekend and Mike Edwards and Eldrick Robinson, those were positives that you can look at. And Justin Tomlin took off for a 76-yard touchdown run against an SEC defense. But it's just not anywhere near consistent enough and that's what they need to find starting this weekend. Well, you know, uh, we, we talked in our previous try trying to record this uh, about the uh, Jackson State ULM game. Uh, glad you mentioned Nick, Nick and Mike that are both up there uh, doing yeah. this for the Warhawks. It makes it a little bit harder to pull. I won't say pull again or to hate hate the the Warhawks that much, but they've got a lot of work to do. But I tell you. Uh, Man, at the end of that game, for some reason, I just held on the game for a little bit longer than I normally would before switching to another game. And the emotion you could tell between Terry Bowden and Deion Sanders was real. It's, it wasn't one of those handshakes, goodbye, like I hate you. But you could tell there was some love from both sides. Uh, I'm sure they were talking about Bobby Bowden. Oh, first with Nick and Mike, two of the best guys in our business. And for a team in ULM that didn't hold a lead at any point in any of their 10 games last year, granted, Georgia Southern tried their best to make sure that wasn't true because ULM almost had the game-winning touchdown in the final <laughs> play. But to see them get one and for that to ring a bell at the end that 35 years ago Deion Sanders played for Bobby Bowden in Florida State, was an All-American, went on to have a Hall of Fame career in the NFL and those two getting a chance to visit at midfield, very, very, very touching. And as, as much right now as we are still trying to transition out of, do we have to be careful with everything that we do? That was a moment that those two could share and not have to worry about what's going on in the world. That was just yeah. really, really nice. Hey, it was very cool. I would have loved to have been one of the coaches or, or the, the, the uh, state troopers next to them to, to listen to that conversation. But at the same time, I was choking up just watching it. So probably wouldn't have been a good bodyguard at that point. Uh, <laughs> now, qu qu quick story about me meeting Deion Sanders. I forgot what year it was, but uh, Deion was with the Reds. I was in Cincinnati for opening day. Uh, I'm riding down on the elevator and I look to my right. I'm standing up and Dion is literally standing in the back of the elevator with his head down. I'm not sure. I'm sure mo most athletes are that way. Don't want to be noticed and seen. But Dion on the baseball field was a much different player than Dion in the football field. And uh, it was just it was just a cool moment for me. And I just kind of said, "Hey, how's it going?" And he said, "Good." And I said, "Good luck today." And that was it. I didn't didn't want to bother him too much. So a uh, fun moment for me as a Reds fan. So. Uh, there was almost a tie-in with Dion and Georgia Southern because the Eagles and Seminoles played in both 88 and 90. Of course, he was on the 88 team. He didn't play that day that Georgia Southern went down to Doe Campbell and almost pulled the upset. They're up 10-7 early in the fourth quarter. Florida State ultimately ended up winning that game 28-10, to but there were 
some rumors that Burt Reynolds had offered to buy Georgia Southern some uniforms. And I think he was known for treating some of the visiting teams that came to Florida State that way, especially teams coming from at that point, one double A and just looking to treat them in only a way that Burt Reynolds could. But if Dion would have gotten a chance to play in that game, that would have been one that our color broadcaster, Terry Harbin would have appreciated because he was the punter for Georgia Southern at that time. And he could have said, you know, Dion ran back one of my touch, but he didn't unfortunately play that day. You know, th this is the reason I do these things because it's the stories like this that I love hearing that you're not going to get through the media necessary, necessarily. And I know you were not at Georgia Southern back then, but the, the knowledge and the history that you, you went through with Georgia Southern, I think is just amazing. And I love that about you. Uh, always able to pull those uh, uh, way back when stories out and, and get it. I love that. Thank you so much. One thing that I realized when I got here in 2015, I knew about the place, having worked at the Citadel for three years when the Citadel and Georgia Southern both shared the Southern Conference. But I realized pretty quickly that so much of this place is steep in its history. And I think that's why both of us love baseball so much, because as good as baseball is now and as amazing talents are that are in the game, baseball is so steep in its history. And when you come here, when you're talking Georgia Southern football, you better understand the history. You better understand how Work Russell got this all started, how six national championships happened. And so many of the guys that were part of those are still around the program. A lot of them are involved with the Eagle Football Alumni Association. Terry has been an active board member in getting that going for a number of years. And now he's the general manager of our Learfield property, Georgia Southern's birth properties. And he can tell you story on story on story. He was part of three of the national championship teams on the bridge from Coach Russell to, to Tim Stowers. So a lot of the stories I've heard from him, but a lot I've tried to read and find on my own. And a lot just being in the tailgate lot during home games, guys can say, oh, you know that time we played Nichols or the time we yep. uh, saw Northeast Louisiana when Doug Peterson was the quarterback. And then he goes on to – win a Super Bowl with the Eagles. It's, it's just, it's stuff like that, that if you're not around it, you might not get a chance to hear it, but stuff like that, if you can get someone that appreciates it as well, then you can have a, you can have a meaningful conversation about it. Well, I agree with you totally. I think baseball is the one sport that gets it right when it comes to history and it protects its history. They're not afraid to put an asterisk on something uh, to, 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 to tell, tell the truth, tell the whole story, you know? So uh, very good. Uh, one other quick story, you know, when you brought up about your uh, your, your broadcast partner there and uh, being a punter, uh, one, one of my friends, Rick, oh, uh, that's over here, was a backup quarterback for the Cajuns when Rafael Septian was the kicker for the Cajuns. And Rick told me that uh, when he introduced, uh, when I was introduced to him, said, this is Rick, uh, and he, he was an All-American here. I said, oh, really? I said, I said, so we started talking. I said, all right, so tell me the all how, how did you become an All-American? He goes, well, the way I look at it, Rafael Septian was a, a All-American. I was his holder, and without me, he could not have been an All-American. So I was an All-American by default. So <laughs> I loved Rick's attitude that day, and we became friends since then. So uh, I'm very good. All right, let's look ahead real quick. Let's start out with the uh, the um, the Marshall. Uh, uh, Marshall uh, App State game at, at App State. Any thoughts? I mean, great Thursday night matchup. I think uh, great for TV. I'm gonna. My eyes will be on there. Yeah. Uh, is as hearing Sean Clark talk about it on the teleconference. I, I agree with him. I think that 
App State and Marshall should probably play every year. We take care of one of your non-conference games. I would love if Georgia Southern played Marshall more than just football. They were all in the Southern Conference to to a spell, but then Marshall was one of the ones that made the initial leap in the late 90s going from one double a up to one a at that point i would love to get marshall back on the schedule who knows with realignment maybe we get a chance to share the same league again and maybe we do play every year in every sport apps been wanting this game for about a year because they went to huntington last year couldn't run the football they had a chance at a long touchdown pass they had a fumble inside the 10 turned into a touchback and it was a very frustrating day for them and at that point their fans wanted Sean Clark gone. You can understand how crazy they are because it did work out for Coach Clark. They won nine games. They won the Myrtle Beach Bowl last year against North Texas. So ultimately, they got it figured out enough. It's just strange for that program when winning nine games is a step back because they've been 10-11 wins, almost lock stock for years, and they've been the best program in the Sun Belt since 2015. So that should be a very good game. I would anticipate a Thursday night in Boone is going to go the way of the Mountaineers, but Marshall is a very good program and very capable of springing the upset. But I do think App should win the game. Yeah, the other games are not uh, all that inviting to me. I, I still think Texas State is one of those those teams. I'm not sure if they're good, they're bad, they're indifferent. It's time for them to to to, to either start winning or, or do, uh, I, you know, they play Eastern Michigan. Uh, so uh it's a game that if if the Sun Belt wants to separate themselves from uh conferences like the MAC and Conference USA I, I we need Texas State to step up this weekend is my only thought there. Well, and I feel so badly for them because they had just gone on the road and beaten FIU in overtime and they don't get a whole lot of non-conference road victories and they host incarnate word and they lose to an fcs team but what i didn't realize they were down 24 guys because of covid contact tracing they didn't have 15 guys in there too deep i didn't even realize this until just getting and getting on and hearing spavadol's press conference just a little while ago and i think he's expecting to get at least some of them back he said that they're gonna have to fly some of them out separately on friday morning up to detroit now i've never been to eastern michigan i do know that they call it the factory we have experience playing the other Eagles of the MAC back in the Camellia Bowl in 2018. Chris Creighton took that program from nothing to something. They haven't been great since that bowl loss in 18. And I think that's a winnable game for Texas State, but I'd like to see how many guys that they can get back so they can be at, at least close to full strength before going up there. This is what I love. Danny dropping knowledge on me. I had no idea myself. And uh, you do your homework, and I appreciate that. So, um one other game of interest to me is the Arkansas State Tulsa game is really the only one besides the one that reason you're on and we're going to talk about a little later. Uh, Arkansas State at Tulsa. Um, man, again, we need Arkansas State, the Arkansas State that showed up against Memphis to show up and not the Arkansas State that showed up against Washington to show up. Yeah, what stinks for them is that they had 600 yards against Memphis and still lost. And there's, they're back to a two-quarterback system. We thought it was going to be Lane Hatcher's year. He had an amazing statistical year last year, splitting with Logan Bonner. Then he leaves with Blake Anderson, the head coach, to go to Utah State. I think they're off to a 3-0 start now, too. But James Blackman comes in from Florida State. He ends up getting the start on opening day, and they basically rotated 
it seems that whoever comes in second has been the better quarterback, even though they both put up some pretty good numbers. But for whatever reason, up at Washington, nobody could do anything. And seeing them lose that badly outside of playing Alabama a couple of years ago, that's really unsettling, even though it is Butch Jones's first year as coach. Still think that they're capable of beating anybody in the league because they're throwing for almost 400 yards a game. They've got the best receiving core in the league. They always have the best athletes in the league. It's just a matter of can they find a way to get it to all work together and get back to that form when they were winning conference championships year in and year out. Good deal. You've been listening to uh, we're talking with Craig Malas on Danny Reed, voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles. Danny, let's take a quick break here and we'll come back right after this. and We'll talk Cajuns and Eagles uh, again. Listening to we're talking. Welcome back to We're Talking today, Danny Reed, voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles. Danny, Eagles and Cajuns this weekend. Before we get to that, though, I got to ask you a question. All right, so you got the Cajuns at home on a Saturday, and then next week you got Arkansas State at home on a Saturday. How do you manage to get back-to-back home games? I mean, we haven't seen that at Cajun <laughs> Field, and I don't know how long. <laughs> I know it's not your choice. That's not your uh, – Well, what I <laughs> – We'll say is I think the last few years, the Sun Belt has been trying to give Georgia Southern a little bit of a break in scheduling. It was five years ago in 16. That was my first year doing the play-by-play. We were the only team in the country that had four straight road games, and they were actually scheduled. This wasn't this was way before COVID where games were getting rescheduled and all that. But that being said, getting back-to-back home games, Georgia Southern's next two after that. They've got to go to Alabama twice in five days. They've got a Saturday game at Troy. Then the next Thursday, they go right back to play South Alabama in Mobile for their first game at Hancock Whitney Stadium. So while they tried to be nice, they took it right back. Well, yeah, that's not. Yeah. All right. So on to the game that we're here to talk about. Uh, Cajuns and Eagles. I, I, I find that. Uh, without being too dramatic, this is this has been a very close series over the years. Uh, and uh, your your thoughts on what? Well, let's talk about the Eagles first. Have you got your quarterback now? I know he had to sit out a couple of games. Is 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 he going to be your guy? I guess. Yes, Justin Tomlin is the guy. He is going to end the stretch of three consecutive games with a new starting quarterback. He had been forced to miss the first two games because of an academic issue, but he started against Arkansas, showed the flashes. It's just that Arkansas was on another level, and the Eagles weren't really going to be able to compete the way that they wanted to. But they do have the comfort in knowing that Tomlin will get the snaps. Cajuns have not seen him because Tomlin was also suspended the first two games last year, the Cajuns being the second game. So it was shy words or bust in that game. And he ended up throwing for 255, which really confused me considering how good the Cajuns' pass defense was last year. But Georgia Southern found some holes in the passing game. But you had Nate Snyder, 53 yards to win the game. And Georgia Southern has been looking forward to this one ever since that game. Well, you know, I think a lot of the uh, the defensive back play, and nothing to take uh, uh, anything away from them, but as you know, in most cases, whether it's college or the NFL, if you've got good defensive pass uh, play pass play that you usually have a strong defensive line getting pressure on the quarterback as well. So, uh, so I don't know what happened there last year. I know uh, we won. We get, we snuck out of Cajun Field with a victory, and that's always good. Um, Part of it, you were down eight starters on <laughs> last year because of COVID. But yeah. Georgia Southern was just coming off of having so many guys out against Campbell. But 
even though I think the Eagles outplayed the Cajuns, you had the ball last, you had one more chance, and you won the game. Exactly. And that's sometimes, unfortunately, that's what it comes down to. And fortunately, the for me, the Cajuns were on the right side of that. So what about you, what about your running back? Where is your strength now? After you get past the quarterback, where is your strength? Is And I know you guys are not a true, per se, triple option, but you're going to do some uh, options there. Is that going to be the running back, or are you going to be able to get the ball downfield to your receivers? Well, it's, it's, it is a modernized version of the option. They'll do double where it's primarily keeper pitch. They'll do some triple where the dive is involved. They've got five different running backs that they'll rotate in, but the unfortunate thing is that four of them have already been injured this year and have been forced to at least miss some time. Now, the benefit of this week is there's potential that J.D. King makes his debut. He hasn't played this year coming off of ACL surgery last November. He re-aggravated the injury during camp, and they were very slow wanting to make sure that he was ready for a conference push. I don't know if he'll be able to go this weekend, but he's been working towards getting back for this game. He was leading the league in rushing last year before he got hurt against Troy. If he comes back, that's huge, considering that Amari Jones, the two-lane transfer, whom you guys know from the Cure Bowl a couple of years ago, he has been quarterback, running back, wide receiver here. He banked up his ankle against Arkansas. His availability for this weekend is in question. Logan Wright's been a little bit banged up he's battled some injuries Gerald Green's been limited the last couple of weeks because of injury and you've got a redshirt freshman in Jalen White who has all of the billing in the world an amazing career in the state of Alabama high school but is yet to be fully unleashed so I don't exactly know from a running standpoint what the Eagles are going to have as to who Justin Tomlin is going to be handing the football to there's a bunch of talent back there when it's healthy but it hasn't all been healthy at the same time since probably last November. And even then, Amari Jones wasn't here yet. Jalen White was not playing until the end of the season. And Gerald Green didn't really get a chance to go until King got hurt and really the same for Logan Wright. So this group hasn't been all healthy at the same time as this group, if that makes sense. Will, will we see uh, Justin Tomlin run as much as uh, Shea Wirtz did uh, for Georgia Southern the last couple of years? Or? Well, it all depends because it's a new system. You had Bob DeBess running the offense for the previous three years, but he gets fired with three games left last year. Doug Roos, who was the offensive coordinator here in 14 and 15, and then went with Willie Fritz to Tulane from 16 through 18. So he would have been involved in that matchup against the Cajuns and Amari Jones three years ago. So he's calling the plays now. There are some definite wrinkles. There are some things that they're doing differently as opposed to the last time that he was in Statesboro. Ultimately, if you don't have a quarterback that can get you into the right situation, you're going to be in trouble. And even for somebody like Tomlin, he has experience. It's not a boatload of experience. The start against Arkansas was only the fifth of his career because he was spelling shy works for really three seasons from 18 through 20. And shy was taking so many snaps. He was playing hurt and Tomlin had a chance to work his way in, nearly led the team to a victory against Minnesota two years ago. It just wasn't a whole lot of consistency, but now that he can be the guy, hopefully stay on the field last week. And we saw the flashes when you have a 76 yard touchdown run against Arkansas that's immediately something that every other defense has to prepare for. I do think that he has some talent throwing the football, but we had five drops last week. And a lot of those were at least first downs. There were three 
passes in addition to the drops that Georgia Southern would have had touchdowns on with the other quarterback, Cam Ransom, that played. So it could have been a different game, but it was just an instance of they're lacking the necessary consistency when you run this kind of offense. They're throwing it more, but if Georgia Southern can't run, Georgia Southern does not win. It's very, very simple. So with that being said, how is the offensive line? Is it, is a, is it a, is it a veteran group or you got some new guys plugged in there? Because just as it is on the defense that we need a pass rush, I imagine this offense is not very easy to, is maybe a little bit more difficult to pick up as an offensive lineman. The five guys that are starting and have started were the same five that were number one on the depth chart in spring. So that has been consistent from Miller, Dowdell, Langmire, Crowder, Kelly, left tackle to right tackle. That five-man unit has been together since spring ball. The issue that you have is that there's not a ton of depth behind them. Aaron Pyron has played in 14 games, but he's coming off of pinky surgery. He has not played that yet this year. He could play either guard position. Liam Ryan is the backup center who played sparingly over a couple of years at North Carolina State. Caleb Cook at right tackle from Brunswick, Georgia, is somebody that's uber-talented but hasn't made his debut yet. They really like him. They'd like to try to keep him under four games this year so they could get four full years out of him if they could starting next year. But Griffin Carter at left tackle is the one that's had the most experience this year. And even that was because Brian Miller left in the second quarter against Arkansas with an injury. Now, we don't know what his status is going to be for this weekend. But for Carter, that was by far the most he has played on offense in his two years in Statesboro. Now he's on PAT field goal, but as in regards to knowing the offense and playing so many snaps, that was a baptism by fire against an SEC defensive line. You're listening and we're talking with Craig Malas on Danny Reed, voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles. Let's move to the defensive side of the ball. What are we going to see there on uh, Georgia Southern's defense? Or what do you expect them to do against the Cajuns, which can be sometimes, a high-scoring offense and a powerful offense. We saw what Montrell Johnson did last week against, uh, I think, a Ohio team that was not as athletic as uh, Georgia Southern will be. It, it, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, that, that Ohio team looked a little bit down to me and the Frank Soldier's retirement, I think you could feel it. They need to rebuild some things and get back to what Bobcat football looks like. But for Georgia Southern's defense, first three years under Scott Sloan, they were top three in the conference in scoring defense each year. And a year ago, they were putting up some of their best numbers in 25 years. So, I mean, statistically, defensively, they were really, really good. And if offensively you could have had some more touchdowns, Georgia Southern would have been a 10-win team. I have no doubt in my mind about that. But from that team last year, take four starters away. So far this year, three starters have been removed from the lineup due to season-ending injuries. A couple of inside linebackers and Todd Bradley, Glenn, Marquez, Watson, Trent, they're out for the rest of the season. Derek Cantine was an All-American cornerback last year with six picks. He's done for the year with an injury. So a lot of young guys are going to be playing in the secondary. A lot of young guys are going to be playing at linebacker. The defensive line is deep. They'll go 10, maybe even 11 deep on that defensive line. I think they've recruited that group really well. But what this unit is missing in the back eight is just simply experience. As Coach Sloan would tell us, the snap count for those guys is just down so much. And when you get the lack of experience, we have a phrase, next man up. And that's good in theory, but – 
you still have to get the requisite experience to be able to be comfortable in your own shoes. With that in mind, you can understand why the Eagles are giving up 353 yards a game passing and nearly 525 a game total. Those are outliers since Scott Sloan has been here, but until they get experience and until they can gain some comfortability and some confidence, it's a unit that's going to have a hard time stopping people. And they haven't been able to get off the field on third down, which was something that they led the league in in 2020. Well, we know they're good athletes. Otherwise, it wouldn't be in an FBS program. But at the same time, there is a huge jump between high school and FBS football. Uh, so it, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, and to your strength of your defensive line, uh, we'll, we'll see what the Cajuns do if they keep try to keep an up-tempo uh, uh, football team on the field, which seems to have been successful uh, when we run the up-tempo. It seems to me like when we slow it down, a little too much we kind of stall at times I think Levi gets in a better rhythm uh with the uh, temple but then again I'm a guy hosting a podcast and I'm not a coach so <laughs> what the hell do I know whatever whatever Billy Napier has done with Levi Lewis and getting ready for Georgia Southern I don't know if he needs to change it that much because the Eagles haven't touched him in two years I mentioned Terry Harvin already. He loves Levi Lewis, thinks he could be the best quarterback in the league. And I know Chase Bryce is here. I know Grayson McCall is here. But the way Levi can subtly move in the pocket and the way that he can let you remember that he can run, he's not a running quarterback, but he is extremely capable to run at any given time. And when he does, he lets you know that you can't just sit back and wait for him to make a choice. I know he's going to spread it around. But he is one of the most dangerous quarterbacks on Georgia Southern's schedule simply because of that ability. And the fact that a hungry defense has not sacked him even one time in any of his three appearances against Georgia Southern is concerning. And the way that he works the ball around so well in the passing game keeps you on your toes, too. Well, I think in the past it's helped that we've had uh, uh, an All-American on the offensive line and, and two guys that are playing on Sundays right now. So I think we do have an, we have another experienced linebacker, uh, offensive linebacker, and I, I think they are playing well. Um, again, health is everything. Hopefully we don't get bit by either an injury bug or by the uh, COVID bug, which could sounds like is even worse because all this contract tracing and everything. So. Uh, you're listening to We're Talking with Craig Malosa on Danny Reed, voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles. Danny, a couple last things here. We're going to get to the serious stuff now. First of all, where can the guys listening to you? I know you're on the uh, TuneIn app. Well, it's the Varsity Network app oh. now. TuneIn okay. is the one that's being phased out. The Varsity app is the one that Learfield personally has footed and launched for 2021 but if you go online to search the varsity network it'll tell you that you need to be able to put it on your ipad or your smartphone that will link you up directly to any team that you want to listen to and for georgia southern everything that we do football basketball and baseball you can get that linked up including coaches shows and it's also gseagles.com via the via the watch app and true blue tv you can get us there as well Okay, uh, I forgot about that. Russ Eisenstein uh, from the Ohio Bobcats, who uh, I spoke with last week, was uh, Russ is a great guy, uh, mentioned that about the varsity app. I keep forgetting about that. Uh, so, but the real question is, when we were in New Orleans a couple months ago, maybe now, have you had an opportunity to open up that Sazerac Rye yet? Oh, come on, man. 
<laughs> you don't know me that well. You got to ask me that. <laughs> All right. What's your thoughts? I mean, uh, I, I, our guys that are that are going to listen to us on, on Rage and Pagan, they're uh, some of them not a fan of the Sazerac rye, and I think it's just an awesome, uh, uh, awesome rye whiskey there. So, um, look, that it is one of my favorites. We don't get it in this part of Georgia very much. So whenever we're on the road, I always look for places that might have it. And if there's a spot where we can get at least a little bit of it, I'll take advantage. And I'm also looking at the, I'm in my office right now. So I'm looking at the, the personalized bottle of Maker's Mark sitting over there on the on the dresser, which I, I'll never be able to thank you enough for that. That's one of the coolest things that I own. And the Sazerac is a very nice compliment to the liquor cabinet. And I was hoping that maybe it would have worked out where we could have shared one, but it might be a little bit too early the day to pop them like this. But if we could get the video working, and this was yep. a if this was a webcast, then we could have we could have partaken. But that'll be for many many other times down the road. Well, how about next week, if you don't mind? You mentioned uh, realignment, uh, maybe once for sure, maybe twice. How if, if one night next week we 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 pour one and and we get the video working there and we, and we, uh, share a drink and talk some realignment. I'd like to know where, uh, Georgia st uh, Southern stands with everything and, and just kind of your thoughts on the whole realignment process, because I know you do your homework. I mean, you're not, you're not one of those guys that sticks his head in the sand and is just going to go, yeah, it's, you know, what happens happens. So, uh, well, I know how specific Jay's schedule is and I know that you have to work around him to get him on for his weekly visit. Yep. But if we could work that out somehow, I would love to. Most definitely. Uh, uh, <laughs> I know Jay and I talked Sunday night and uh, afterwards about his schedule coming up. I know he does have some family events he's going to over the next uh, sometime in the next month. So I'm going to have to work around his schedule if he's on at all. But uh, uh, it'll be fun. We can do that and ha have a, an adult beverage. Uh, so um, last thing, anything else you want to uh want to say to Cajun Nation or anybody else I know uh we from what I can tell from the statistics here we do have some uh, people from Georgia Southern that do listen to the podcast or at least they're from Georgia I'm assuming they're uh, Georgia Southern uh so any 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 last words on this weekend's game well one I'm sorry that you're not going to be able to make the trip I do understand it because I know you just had some medical things going on within the last year, year and a half. So I, I totally get that you're not going to be able to make the trip. So we'll definitely catch up during basketball and baseball season. This is one just because of the relationships that Colin and I have with you and Jay and Josh and so many people down in Louisiana. There's no secret that we're all very good friends. And it, it's, it's an instance of how our whole league of broadcasters, I think we're all pretty close and we're all looking out for each other, seeing what's going on, who's going to be where on a given weekend and whatever the sport I always look forward to seeing and playing the Cajuns just because of the kind of people that you guys have there and the, the amount of good times that we have, whether it's in Statesboro, whether it's in Lafayette, this, this matchup represents a chance for both teams to do what they want to, or at least get to where they hope to. And with the Cajuns trying for three straight wins to back up that preseason top 25 ranking, may be able to sneak back in after 
for losing to Texas. And for Georgia Southern, I hate the phrase must win because it's overused and every game is must win. If it's if you say must win, that means one means more than the other and you only get 12 chances. They all mean a whole heck of a lot. But this one for Georgia Southern, I think I said it earlier, it's a this is more like it game where the Eagles need to establish who they are with the run, with their defense, commanding the clock, playing with aggression, being better on first and third downs and winning in the fourth quarter. When they have those things, Georgia Southern more often than not is the successful team, but those are a lot of the same things that Coach Napier has tried to do with that culture since 2018. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be awesome having you guys here. It's Hall of Fame weekend. We're inducting six new members. Teacher Appreciation Weekend haven't been home in three weeks. So I think that even though the last couple of weekends for the Eagles haven't been very good, I would anticipate you guys would travel well, and it should be a really good atmosphere. Well, thanks for all the kind words. Uh, we love having you here, Danny. Uh, when basketball season, uh, we'll we'll get we'll get Brad over the jambalaya shop to bring some uh, some some uh, jambalaya pastelaya over uh, to my my new uh, addition to the house, and you'll get to see my Blanton chandelier that I have built, and the the whole bourbon bar and the recording studio in the bunker there. So, looking forward to the visit as always, man. Um, I've, I've got a bottle of Bland's in my cabinet that I am waiting for a very important experience to open. I don't know what that is going to be. I don't know when that's going to be. Maybe if the Eagles can find a league championship this year, but that is in there because I rarely see it anymore. I actually found it about two months ago. So that's nice. one that's going to stay in there for a while. But every time I look at the Bland's, I think about you and Jay because I know that's two of your favorites. Yes. Uh, well, I will tell you this. Don't let me down. I mean, uh, not after this, after this weekend, I hope you guys went out. I don't know if you got to listen to our Sunbelt preview, but I picked you guys second in the East. And I really do think at the, by the time the end of the season rolls around and Coastal comes in there, I think you've got a great opportunity to beat them. If your guys continue to improve over the course of the next couple of weeks. So, um, uh, oh my gosh, it started raining again here. Imagine that it seems like we're, yeah, we're looking for Noah in a flood uh, lately. <laughs> um, we mentioned Brad. Hey, just uh, anybody who's listening, keep Brad Topham in, in your prayers. Uh, Brad had surgery today, I believe, uh, to fix uh, an issue with his back. So he'll be out of, off of ESPN 1420 for a couple of days or a couple of weeks, I should say. So keep Brad in your prayers, everybody. Uh, Top is a great Cajun fan and a huge supporter through the Jambalaya shop and his personal life for the Cajuns. So phenomenal guy. We always enjoy seeing him for baseball. Yes. For Craig Malonso and Danny Reed, uh, you're listening to We're Talking. Thanks again, Danny. You got it. <laughs>